Devs can't decide if they're excited for next-gen consoles. But are we? Hello and welcome to Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, Mr. Sawbridge is bringing you guys lucky episode Halo 117, <laughs> Master Chief edition. <laughs> So you just completely ruined every bit of integrity to this podcast. Can you, can you like on the thumbnail when you make it this weekend? Because yeah, it is your turn to make it. Why don't you like take a Master Chief helmet PNG and just make it real transparent and just hide it somewhere in the thumbnail? <laughs> just just with like a watermark. Yeah, just well, no, like, even more transparent than that. Like so that you have to really look for it. See, and, and we'll see if, if people listening can find it. They probably hate us at that point, <laughs> but do it anyways. Okay, well, you know what? That's funny because that ties into a piece of news that we'll get into here in a it little does. bit. But for now, uh, we are, like we said, Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. If this is your first time joining us, then you can find us every Monday at 10 a.m. PST and 12 p.m. CST in video format on YouTube. Uh, and if you like what we're doing over there, subscribe, hit that bell notification. It'll let you know when this episode goes live. Uh, every Monday. We have other stuff that comes out, though, as well. So if you want to catch up with that, subscribing will also help you there. If you like what we're talking about and you want to chime in with your thoughts, do so in the comments below. It helps the video be seen. Of course, it lets us actually talk with you and get your thoughts. Uh, but if you don't want to watch our ugly mugs and you can't respond to comments or type in comments on YouTube, what you can do is go to podcast services where we are. You can go to iTunes or any of those things. Google Play Music doesn't matter if you're on Android iPhone computer you can find us and if you want to chime in you can do so by going over to our social media which you can find us at Twitter at uh, triangle sqrd is our handle over there if you want to find us on Facebook it's uh, triangle squared a PlayStation podcast group you can ask to be entered into that and you will find me there Saul does not have a Facebook nope and if you want to support us uh with even as little as a dollar, you can do so by going over to our Patreon, uh, which is down in the description below, as well as just going to nar uh, patreon.com slash nartech. Uh, and of course, if you want to join our moment-to-moment, day-to-day lives as we normally try and, and chime into as much as possible, I've been really busy, so I've actually been like intermittently in it. But you can join our Discord server, where we'd love to talk to people. Where there's the crazy thunder, yeah, going on. there's crazy thunder now. You may hear it if we get interrupted by oohs and ahs, and that's that's why. We will see if this is the first episode that we just can't do anything about. Um, oh, but, the power and stuff? Like yeah. power just goes off in the middle? Yep, but we'll see how that ends up working out. Uh, but anyway, something, those are the places you can find us. Oh, well, and hey, something new. We have left our former website, formerly oh, known yes. as Jack of All Controllers, where we were partners with. And a few of us, including writers for that website... We have formed a brand new media outlet. It's going to be something that is going to be really special to us and uh, something that's going to be really, really cool for you guys to check out. You can go to the website right now. It is called Final Weapon, and uh, the website is finalweapon.net. And it is up, but it is kind of empty because we are still working on things. We're working on uh, articles for it. It's still going to be similar where you guys can catch an episode of us every Monday. We'll be You'll see that on the website go up as well as opinion articles from me from the time to time. Uh, and not only that, but uh, it's something really cool that we're doing. There's talks of clothing lines. There's talks of other kind of cool forms of surprising elements to it. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and we're going to let you guys know uh, and have updates for that. But another thing as well is that this weekend, it's going to be the weekend of the 29th uh, in Texarkana, where we live, our hometown. One of our good buddies, 
that me and Brett have known for both a good long time is hosting his third annual, I think, right? Or is this the second one? Uh, it's technically the second full-blown like this, but he's done more some, smaller he's ones. done events that are under the name for yeah. a while but yeah so we are having a local event held here a uh it's called hype con it is a convention of sorts not exactly a comic con but it is tailored around nerd culture video game culture stuff like that where we will be guests there if i know a couple of you guys live within a radius of us uh including up into including an hour to two hours away if you guys make a trip down here on saturday to go to the convention it's 20 bucks to get in, and that is for you guys to go around and look at all kinds of booths to buy anything you want. There is the voice actor for Majin Buu and for uh, Hercule. Hercule from Dragon Ball Z. They're going to be there as well, so you can, get a, you can get a photo op with them and maybe get them to record some lines for you. And, uh, yeah, we have some friends coming down from Dallas, uh, so we're all going to be hanging out. We plan on going to eat dinner. And, you know, just kind of hanging out. So if you are within our area, if you're within reach of us and you feel like you want to meet us and have a fun weekend down here in Texarkana with us, feel free to drop on by. We'll be there pretty much all day Saturday. Sunday, we'll be there for a little bit of a shorter period because that is our main recording day for things. So we got to do two podcasts on Sunday. So we'll probably be there till maybe noon. And it is a resident other host for our off-topic podcast it's blaze's birthday so i'm actually too. still curious as to whether we'll be at HypeCon on sunday or not we'll figure that stuff yeah. out uh but we will definitely be there saturday so hey yeah i, I agree with all if you want to we'll come be, down and we join will us be you selling cases very well can five bucks a piece if you ever wanted a custom case of ours get it at a special smooth five dollars in person and uh who knows we can get select you... cases yeah select <laughs> cases we but, are yeah. we're getting rid of some back stock that we have and uh Feel free to uh, to join us and hang out, buy a case, and uh, just chill with us. But, Brett, why don't you lead us into the community topic? Because I've made a conscious decision that the drop will no longer be part of the podcast. Well, one thing that we didn't do, which just would feel wrong if we didn't, is what have you played this week? I know your answer's quick, so go ahead and throw it out. It's very quick. <laughs> Destiny 2. Uh, I did say that I will stop bringing up games that I've played on my PC and on my Switch. Uh, I still got to throw out Final Fantasy VII because that's still a big title to throw out. And, of course, it is originated on PS1. So sure. Final Fantasy VII on Switch. I lost power on Wednesday, as you know. I was playing Destiny, and bloop, severe thunderstorm came through and knocked me out for about a solid six hours, seven hours. So I literally laid it on my couch in the dark, and I played Final Fantasy VII. And I actually simultaneously played Final Fantasy VII and watched Advent Children on my phone. Um, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it, that's pretty much it, though, this week. Not a lot. While listening to the dialogue from Crisis Core in my ears. That, how crazy would that be? Like, trying to consume as much Final Fantasy VII content as you could at once. Um, It'd be hard. Yeah, mine uh, was a little bit more uh, eventful. So I tried out, uh, one thing I mentioned to you a while back was um, I tried out a couple of games that were free to download from PS Now since I've got the year subscription. Uh, it was on sale for $60, so I went ahead and grabbed it just to see what it was like. Uh, and I downloaded Pillars of Eternity to kind of see where I stood in that genre because it's a genre I haven't really played in a long time. Um, and it just didn't really grab me. And I don't, I, it's, it's a little weird, right? I don't know if it's the game itself, uh, which has gotten a lot of praise from a lot of people, though it also seems like a lot of that praise came from being a game that was standalone in a genre that had by and large went by so people were really just into it for the fact that it was good enough for them and served a real purpose of giving them a genre and giving them something new in a genre that they have otherwise not seen active much i feel like since that game came out that genre has been a little bit more active uh so i wonder if maybe with that and and kind of coming up 
if I played a different game, it might actually catch my attention a little bit better. I didn't get far in it, but it just something felt weird about it. Um, so I have I went ahead and deleted it. I decided it wasn't worth my time when I have all these other games I need to be trying to play. So I did play that. Uh, I picked up uh, a Crash Team Racing and have been playing a little bit of that and letting Kyrie beat me while teaching her how to play a kart racing game. Um, I did play uh, Destiny Two a bunch, and then my surprise one, and it was kind of just like a, I was bored. No one was on Destiny or on at all, so I was kind of like, I don't want to play Destiny by myself right now. I don't want to burn myself out on it. Uh, and it's always way more fun to play Destiny with you guys. So I was like, yeah. all right, I'm gonna see. I was like, I'm not gonna play Destiny by myself, so I don't get to a point where I'm kind of mad about the game. Instead, what I'm going to do is dip back into Anthem since it's been months since I've played, see how things are going. So I decided to go that route, and uh, lo and behold, I've played it four days now. Uh, it's still fun. Hopped on with RJ Loki, uh, longtime good listener, good friend. The, good uh, and we knocked out uh, one of the new strongholds they had added since the last time I had played, uh, and it was awesome. And I kind of was like, I feel bad for not playing this for so long just because I not getting around to playing that stronghold because it was really cool. And I was doing trophy cleanup. I'm down to the last trophy in the game. So I think I will get the platinum. And I continue to hold hope about the game's future in that, again, every time I come back to it, the thing that keeps me wanting to play it is that at its very core, the gameplay is incredibly fun. But the continued thing that I do think is a fair criticism and that most people are saying is that it, of course, is a game that no matter how fun the gameplay is, you have to have compelling reasons to keep wanting to do that for hours on end. And um, right now I'm still having that. It's been fun and doing some of the new things I hadn't seen. And with the upcoming Cataclysm event, uh, depending on, I mean, as long as it's something new and fresh and good, it doesn't have to be something that's just a complete game changer yet. I'm okay with the having something to hold my attention over, uh, even and just kind of keep me dipping back into the game periodically while they actually wait to hopefully fix it, which we'll get into in news here in a minute. Uh, but that was essentially the end of that, and I'm enjoying the game a lot. So uh, it's funny that I can, I'm over here trying to also play Elder Scrolls uh, online because I did get the um, Somerset expansion, Collector's Edition, on sale. Did you actually jump into it? Where you see that beautiful statue. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was only $30, and the expansion by itself was 40 at launch. So I was kind of like, whatever, I'll buy that and get a cool statue and stuff. Uh, but I didn't end up playing it because I didn't have time. So, But the problem is I'm trying to play all of these different, essentially, games as services. Even an MMO kind of leads into that, you know what I mean? So, but The spiders on the statue are pretty cool. Sorry for audio listeners who can't really see, but it is the Somerset Isles Collector's Edition statue. Yep. Pretty good looking little thing, man. For 30 bucks, it's, it's kind of nice. I've decided that my new take, you know how we always talk about people who are patient gamers and they literally wait to play games until years later? Yeah. I'm going to try my hand at being a patient collector because I got that for 30 bucks. I got the Cade statue that was originally 69 I Where, think. Where'd you buy that from? GameStop. Do they still have any? I don't think so. I need one um, for my Destiny shelf. But what ended up happening is that this is something I've been looking at for a while. I was like, it is really cool. This thing was way lighter than I Did you thought it would be? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That bronze look is really fooling to the eye. It is. Um, but it's Once a pretty, again, sorry for our audio listeners. It's a pretty detailed little statue, and I ended up getting that for 25 bucks, uh, and it was originally 60 Only thing I don't like is the base. Yeah, I wish it would have been heavy. Like, it would have been nice. Well, I'm just saying, like, the, the, the base has those lines, like mm-hmm. the mold lines. Yeah, but I also it's think... It's not a big nitpick I for the I think that it's trying to actually tie into some of the visual aspects of Destiny. It's hard to say, because Destiny does have a couple of weird things like that. 
So either way, it's a good looking little statue. I'll throw it up front for the yeah. video people. Um, but yeah, I got both of those uh, at severely discounted prices. Definitely the uh, collector's edition for Somerset, and it did come with the game. Uh, so I was like, okay, cool. I'll do that too. Uh, but I'm going to become a patient collector. That's going to be my thing. I'm going to take chances, and on collector's editions that I'm not necessarily 100% wanting, I'm going to take the chance and see if they just come up on random sale on Amazon and stuff like that and end up grabbing them that way. I uh, speaking of collections, I forgot to mention this on um, Monday. I got really, really fooled. No, it's Tuesday. Um, I got really, really fooled. I have been signed up for the Death Stranding Collections Edition notification for oh, Amazon. Me too. And I thought I got it, but it was recommending me. It was an email recommending me items similar to items I'm interested in. And it said, you're interested in Death Stranding or something like that. And I was like, whoa, yes. I clicked on it, and it, then it showed me, like, shirts and stuff that yeah. was related to Death Stranding. I'm like, oh. <sighs> yeah, that one's going to be a hard one just because of the name behind it. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. It's fine. Uh, another cool thing for patient people, and I really wish one was around here, uh, for any of the ones they have left around in store, uh, the Shadow of the Colossus, you know the Colossi that has the big... Uh, stone sword that he breaks down and you have to wait for it to knock yeah. him. They had a statue of that that was originally $250. That's my least favorite col- uh, Colossus. But he's still pretty cool looking, right? Nah. And I was like, I'd get that. for. Uh, it's a really big statue, originally $250. If there's a GameStop in your area, and this is probably not going to be true as of when this goes up tomorrow, who knows. Uh, but if they have it still physically in store, it's $10. There, uh, I was like, I'd do that, that. That battle took me on PlayStation 2 probably like 30 minutes to do. It took me like four hours to do on the remaster for some reason. Like, I could not get him to walk over to the stone to, to hit the sword on. Yeah. And, and, like, he'd get too close, and I'd have to run out and then run back in and get him right. I'm like, stupid he, Colossi. He was one of the hardest ones in the time trial. Because that was, that was part of the trophies I had to do. So getting him done in the time trial that I needed to, but getting him to do what I needed him to do was a little bit of a pain. Uh, he was probably one of the hardest ones to get in time. I bet. Yeah, he's yep. he's annoying. He's the most annoying colossus or colossi, I guess technically. You know, we're, we're talking about a bunch of stuff that's going to get hit in news. So I guess that means that we'll go ahead and swing into the community stake so we can move into the news. Yeah. So the community stake, like I talked no about last drop. episode, was that we were going to do one based around whether or not you thought it was smart for Sony to be there or not, uh, and if you are whether it's smart for Sony to skip it and whether or not you thought anybody else should have followed their example. And my closest example to that, I think was Bethesda this year. Also a uh, reminder that this specific hot take or topic or not a topic, I guess it is topic of the show, not this particular topic of the, the um, community's take, but just this part of the show is one of the most popular ones to get community feedback no way possible do we have time to answer everybody's. Oh, yes. I always want to throw that out there because we have seven on Twitter alone. We have probably 10 or 15 in Discord, and I'm sure we have a lot on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So in order to keep ourselves from being redundant and going over a topic we did last week, we will try to keep them down to a, a good number. But don't let that discourage you guys from asking us uh, every week because we do want to we want to read them and respond to you guys regardless on if we actually say them on the show. Mm -hmm. I like hearing the feedback personally, even if we can't get to it, just because I I don't want to spend a 45 minute or an hour segment on a topic we just did last week because not everybody wants to hear that. And I feel like it's unfair for those people and I feel like it's just redundant. So like I said, for me to stop being redundant, go ahead and get it. Yeah. 
and just to finish off on that, what it'll essentially be is uh, our chance to anything that we thought of after the episode, we can kind of wrap our thoughts up on right. that as well as getting some feedback and seeing if that changes any of our opinions alongside yours. So, like I said, the question was, was it smart for Sony to skip E3 and should anyone else have followed their example? And uh, overwhelmingly, I was actually pretty surprised to see almost everyone agreed that it was smart for Sony to skip E3. And for a really a, a good reason. And that reason ties into essentially what I'm going to say is, and it's exactly why I feel this way. The way I wish I would have worded it last week when we were talking about it, and it's a better way to clear that up now, is that Sony, it's smart for Sony to skip E3 if for nothing else that they put all their cards out on the table early and with enough time ahead that they could just literally say, hey, we're not going to be there, and this is why. They said... Two things. E3 is no longer as effective as an idea as it used to be now that we're in an age of internet being able to get your information out way quicker right. with more opportunity throughout the year. Uh, and Which LGB makes a great point on. Exactly, and we'll cover that one. Uh, that was one of my favorite ones, so we'll definitely cover that one. And then secondarily, that everything that they have to show is stuff that you've already seen and that other things they might have in the works are just not at a point where they're ready to show them because their games are taking longer to make now as they increase the scale and scope of their games. So with that said, I think if nothing else, Sony were smart to skip E3 because they know if they showed up with that being in, in their mindset, it would have been bad for them. And it was great to see that everybody kind of agreed with that. So what I'm going to do is pull one from Facebook real quick, and I'm going to go to Mr. Uh, JB, as it were. That's how he wants us to be... Uh, how he wants to be mentioned, but uh, JB says, yes, it was a smart idea for them to skip E3. They got to control what they wanted to say, how they wanted to say it, and who they wanted to say it to anyway, around E3 without any leaking information. This year isn't a big year for gaming. This is the lull before the storm of next year when the big new recon uh, news reconsoles and next-gen games um, I, I'm trying to completely get what he means there, but I think he just means that we have new consoles coming. Uh, so I think that's what it was. It was just a typo. Uh, but big new consoles and next-gen games. If you take out the leaked information and things we already know, E3 didn't actually deliver that much new news. Nintendo stole the show, but all their info had been leaked. Xbox are limping out of this gen and into next-gen without any great exclusives. Halo and Gears are not a great deal to show and not new IPs. I think E3 has had its date and the type and the hype outweighs the concern or the content. Uh, I actually think that's a really good take. I don't quite know how I feel about Xbox because of what we were talking about with them slowly. And again, the news backs up some of this, but that idea of them slowly moving away from being a console and more of a platform. Uh, and I think that's a big, important aspect aspect of it is that they needed to come out and show that. But yeah, it is true that they are leaning way too heavily on existing IP that have been around for multiple generations and in a way that, nobody they're not as exciting as they once were so right yeah and i agree that it too. is it is a good uh conglomerate of information if you don't have access to uh certain social media outlets and you don't care about news and you kind of can keep yourself spoiler free before going in that's my preferred way to do it uh but i will say um i agree that like you could literally open up the front page of reddit and see something spoiled for you uh, about E3 and it takes fun away from it. So yeah, I will say that in this instance, I want to, I'm 100% on board with that. Yeah. Um, another one. And this is one from uh, Twitter from Mr. Kyle J. He says, I believe they should make E3 a fan event convention, which they've already kind of done, but it's a mixture between the two. Uh, I also believe Sony only pulled out because they didn't have anything to show. Again, I think that that's, I think that they made that clear and in a good way. That's so that's, 
yeah. Uh, last year they got backlash for only showing off four games and two have been released already. So ideally, besides VR, what were they going to show us? And I agree with his assertion that overall, I think E3 is going to have to transition into more of a fan event in the, in the aspect of like a PAX if it's going to stay around at all. And if it's going to really keep its relevance, and that doesn't mean that it's not exciting. I still get excited about E3. It's still something that works for the time being, but its ability to work is getting more and more pulled out because it's not like a lot of people be like, well, it's the Super Bowl for gamers, but it's not because the problem is that the Super Bowl is always going to be exciting for people who are fans of sports because it's not like, well, you could have told us this any other time. It's it's two people competing. It has a different factor. E3 has got competition if you just kind of want to rate the people who are doing it. But the real soul and heart of E3 is giving you exciting announcements. And I think that as it gets harder for them to keep that information under wraps, unlike the Super Bowl, who you know you don't know who's going to win. It's literally a yeah, watch and see. It, yeah. But you can kind of guesstimate who's going to win in your own opinion with E3 based off of all the leaks that, as well, we've seen, have continued to be more true than you not. You could technically do that with football too you can't do an team comps and stuff like you, you that but it, it's all still but it's still chance yeah yeah and it's not announcements where it's pure skill i really wish moment. spoiler or leak culture would go away like i don't yep. like that i don't like i don't know why people think it's okay to leak news for e3 mm-hmm. way before ahead it's not okay major game companies such as game informer GameSpot, ign polygon y'all stop doing that that's not nobody wants to see that early uh, as the majority you're, yep. you, it's only good for people who are spoiling or for who don't care to watch it. And in reality, if you're going to do it, put spoiler tags around it so I can easily filter all this kind of stuff out. I don't want to see it. It's, but there are people that don't want to do that. They, yeah, it's about I ruining it I want to be surprised. Mm-hmm. I don't want to interact with people while being surprised. I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, we heard about this. Quick shout out from Twitter. Mr. Oldrick Jansen did mention one of the things we talked about, which is that for him, he said it was mostly third party multi-plat reveals and CG trailers. And that would have been what Sony had too, which he didn't find very interesting. So that comes back to the idea of there is definitely a wealth of people who lean on the side of thinking that E3 was a little too uh, pre-rendered cutscene and CG trailer, you know, heavy. Well, not only that, but I do think that the way it has gone for the past couple of years, we've known the exclusives coming out, and that's mm-hmm. the problem. It's true. We know that Halo, we know that Last of Us, we know that, you know, back then with Detroit, Spider-Man, all these games, we knew they were coming out, Days Gone. Mm-hmm. The the what I like the most is these multi-platforms. The or are these multi-platforms because these multi-platforms, while not exclusives, they are more exciting to me because they become in more of a surprise. In a sense. Yeah, yeah, because the exclusives Like now... Link's Awakening reveal back in that direct blew my mind. Yeah. Nobody knew that was coming. That wasn't even spoiled. And it is one of those cool things. It's like, yeah, we kind of have an idea of what Sony's working on. We see patents. We see mm-hmm. partnerships. We kind of have an idea. Whereas these third-party games that come out of nowhere, or these second-party games that come out of nowhere, it, it's a super exciting time. Uh, and there's actually... I'm going to shout out uh, good old K Nace. On Twitter, mm-hmm. he says, "Yes, I think they should have pulled out of E3 and have their own events slash direct style videos at different times throughout the year. Spread out the announcements instead of having so much over a few days uh, that most of gets overlooked, and that is entirely true. Nintendo does their directs the best. I said it in last episode is that they don't ever have a bad direct. Uh, direct, direct. They just have bad or they have content I don't care about. Their directs flow perfectly." And it's perfectly fine. Also, these companies spend way too much money on the presence at E3 when it could be something like this. But I do think at the same time... I am a fan of the show, though, of like... 
small things like that really do sell the experience. Like whenever they had the Days Gone reveal and there was dead bodies hanging from the stuff, it just well, makes I mean, for a bigger like show. Definitely on, for people who are there. Stuff like that too yeah. is really exciting. But mm-hmm. didn't seem that like. But that you're at true. Beth- it is a waste of money that could go elsewhere. Yeah, we didn't see that like that at Bethesda. Instead, they talked too much. Mm-hmm. Didn't really see that like that at Square. They talked a little too much. Um, and that's the problem is that like I'm I'm, I'm glad Sony skipped out because this would have essentially been the second year in a row I, would, I was not a fan of Sony's conference because I could have guaranteed you they would not have won E3 this year uh, unless they would have announced some off-the-wall stuff, but it goes to show they're not ready to do so. Exactly. So if they yeah. did, it would be another mm-hmm. Detroit, Spider-Man, God of War, Days Gone, where we get these announcements two, three years early, and we don't ever see the games for two and three years. We still haven't seen Final Fantasy VII, and that was revealed in 15, four years ago. And that was PlayStation. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's, it's ridiculous. And I, about, by seeing, you mean it's not released. Yeah. Right, right yeah. yeah. We haven't, like, we're Because obviously it. we've seen it yeah. at this point, yes. We've definitely seen um, it. We've seen gameplay and stuff at this point, but still, it's another six months down the road. I'm going to I'm gonna kind of just, because I find it interesting, and then we're going to end on El Tabibs and we'll go on. Uh, but one of the things I find interesting about what you said, and this is not aimed at you because you've actually said before that you've actually not watched any of the directs, or not the directs, I'm sorry, the state of plays. Yes. Uh, and that instead you've kind of just afterwards seen what the announcements were, and that was kind of what it was. Uh, but I agree with your assertion of, by nature of what a direct is, they really shouldn't be able to be bad because, and I mean that objectively, because it has to be like, objectively bad starts to be like, pacing just took too long and they didn't show like the details that they gave versus how much time they wanted to talk about it. it gets to be, and it's still a subjective layer to that, right. no matter what. But I think that you can get closer to an objective badness or goodness based off of like, well, they talked way too much about something that really didn't matter. Uh, and that comes down to the subjective back end. But when you look at something like a direct, it is like the idea of, okay, here we are. This is just something that's quick, gets you all the information you need, moves on to the next thing. We don't have a lot of bloat and wear and people coming out and talking about things and lip service that are naturally going to happen from companies, which even then we saw that. And I don't even mean this in a bad way, but we saw that from uh, Phil Spencer. Uh, there's just, it's talking to talk because it's kind of like a PR thing, but you don't really have to do that so much uh, when you go towards a direct style, which even directs, I would say, minimize the amount of times that you show people talking, which they do here and there. It's like they every now and then will fly fluctuate with that but for the most part it's perfect and i would go a step further to say that a lot of people have been complaining about the way that state of plays have gone but i think state of plays are perfectly in line with what directs are maybe even more so in the fact that they don't ever have a person physically standing there on video talking instead it's just a voiceover that goes this is this it's coming out here now we're moving on to the next thing and they're essentially i actually like i actually like the person on uh on directs because i mean the translation i love that it's done on purpose, think, but it's those awkward pauses. I think that it parts. Yeah, some of it ends up being that we find it quirky in a way in a that way, works yeah. for us because of it's, the translation. It's lighthearted in a but way. But if they if they didn't do that, and if they were really an English company, I don't think most Western people would be. Sony's as, not an English company, though. What I mean, what I mean by they have people who are way more representative in their American thing. I mean, they'll Nintendo bring out does too. They and have Nintendo, Bowser. Exactly, which they finally brought into. But they always had, they're way more into showing off stuff specifically from a Japanese standpoint. Whereas a lot of the times when they show somebody like Shuhei Yoshida, he just speaks English. And no, it's not, it, it is, you know, not the best, but you can understand them and they go that route instead. Uh, and there is even then a level of quirkiness that you like about Shuhei because it's like, ah, it's cute in a weird way. And it's just, 
it's existing of the differences between cultures and while we're just like it's it's interesting to hear somebody speak a language that's not necessarily their main one and it, it adds a level of charm to it i guess is what i'd right. say yeah uh, but what I was getting at is so many people don't like that when it should be the same idea with that. It shouldn't be that the state of play was good or bad. It should just be that it didn't show it's not things interested. that you were interested in. And, and Which I think all I of them has been you, up but... so far. Yeah. I mean. I, I, I've not been interested in VR or I am interested, but I don't have one. So therefore the state of play for VR is no not Man interesting. No Man's Sky VR being the starting point for that one was enough to sell me through the rest of that with just excitement. So I, I didn't care. <laughs> I, I, I missed out on another $200 VR bundle and I'm really sad. There you go. It's okay. We'll see. Because I would say wait, but you know, originally I thought wait in case they decided to release the new VR headset alongside PS5, but they've confirmed that that's not what they're doing. So, uh, But anyway, we're going to end off with LTBs here and then get moving. He says, I hate to say it, but E3 has been losing its significant as years, significance as years go by. The notion of announcing games or consoles once a year is outdated, especially in the day and age of people connected to getting news as they happen delivered to their phones, tablets, computers, or watches. People expect almost constant flow of news or they'll lose interest. Personally, I like the spectacle of E3, but unfortunately, I agree with Sony in sitting this one out and maybe sitting it out for good. And that was pretty interesting. I've not actually heard anybody completely go towards saying that maybe Sony should never come back to E3. And Sony has been even a little coy about it. You know, they made their remarks that lead to maybe they won't be as focused on E3 and maybe come to them when it'll be beneficial to them. But by the time that that really matters, E3 could have lost its relevancy completely. I have a really unpopular opinion. Go ahead. I, don't th I think that if Sony doesn't do E3, they shouldn't do PSX. I disagree because of the nature of what they are. They're the same thing. No, they're not. How? PSX is literally started as a fan event, and it's it's, it's the primary point of the show. But it's, it's at this point, it is the same thing. It, it, it has conferences. It has uh, sales floor or you know conference floors where you can go play games. And, and, stuff, and, and the show floor. The show floor stuff. is the biggest part of the thing. Right, which is a big part of E3. Yeah, but it's essentially E3, the same thing at this point. It's just smaller. Here's the thing. You I, can do everything if you at PSX cut you can down, E3. If you want to cut down and say that Sony being at E3 and then their conference there and then the thing even there, the thing about PSX is I don't think PSX needs to have announcements. And if they don't do that and just leave PSX as what it's intended to be, which is literally just but they a, don't. A, a they have it for like two years where they've announced exclusive things at PSX. No, the last PSX they did was not, and it didn't even have a keynote at all. Well, the last one they did, so two years ago? Yeah, the, the one that me and Blaze went to, and we, we went to two that years in a two row. two years ago. Yeah. It was, was two, it? it was 2016 and then 2017 is the one that me and Blaze went to. So 2016 was the yeah, one where they announced right. The Last of Us 2 uh, and showed off the thing. Right, which is right? their misstep in my opinion because they should have held out on that because then it Maybe. became a uh, an, expect an expectation for the next I, one. I'll agree with that. Uh, but then the next year they said, okay, all we're going to do is not do a keynote, but if you're at PSX and you're physically here, if you want to, we're, you can join us and we're just going to have people come out on stage. They announced something there. And it might not have been directly because of a keynote, but it was something they announced there. I remember thinking. I mean, they, they just showed off new stuff. I mean, they were talking like they, it was essentially more like a, we're going to sit down with developers and talk about different stuff. And I think that if they keep it at that, where people who literally show up can go and watch those things. And they still did things where they had panels, right? And the panels were just, again, throughout the day, you could just go and oh, sit no, the dude, panel. They, um, I guess so. But I was, they went they went balls deep into a Ghost of Tsushima for the first time. 
again, not really, because what ended up happening with Ghost of Tsushima, they actually didn't at all. We thought they would with a panel, and then it was just like, hey, here's what inspired the game. It was more about like yeah, if, you're a fan, and then they... if you're a fan of the of people making games, but that was a panel. That was not a keynote. That's what I'm going for. Like it's it's more about being a fan. Are you a big fan of PlayStation and really like games? Then you get to come here and see things that you wouldn't normally see, and you can see them in person. Maybe adjust with the questions and stuff like that yeah uh so anyway i don't we we need to get off of that but i again i I get what you're saying but i think that you can keep psx as primarily and only a fan event with no keynote ever just panels like they already do which is exactly what pax does so why did they not do one last year why did they not do a psx yeah i don't know because everybody makes it sound like they didn't do one last year because they the stuff they had at E3 was pretty much the extent, which is the reason why they didn't do E3 this year. Yeah. So it's like, why if it's a fan event, why did it not happen? That's what irritates me. Is Who knows? It's supposed to be a fan event for everybody to come together, play video games, have panels, talk, but they didn't That's what it started as. It started to turn into this thing where it was a little announcement heavy, and then the last one they did was like, no, nah, we're not going to worry about announcements. Instead, we're just going to talk to you all about stuff that's already happening and inspiration. It's and still like weird as a, as a fan event they wouldn't have it just based off of... I- I agree. What people said were announcements. That's, that's why I compare the two is because it seems like it didn't happen because the similar reason this E3 didn't happen. And and we'll see if it ends up being that PSX doesn't happen this year and they give a similar reason as to why it's not happening, Uh-oh. then we'll know. But I can't say for sure. That's essentially the biggest problem you're going to run into is we don't know for sure what they're going to say as their reasoning behind it. But moving on, and then we'll get to news here. Uh, Saul, you have anything else you wanted to say? No, so. good questions, everybody. Thank you guys who have participated. I feel like there's a couple newer people in there that don't talk up a lot. There was. Thank you for talking up. All right, starting things off with Anthem, as I was already talking about, EA's CEO, Andrew Wilson, has come out to express confidence in Anthem's future and the team at BioWare going as far as to say, quote, I feel like the team is really going to get there with something special and something great because they've demonstrated that they can't, end quote. Weird quote, but... I do want to say if you have time to go check out the if you if you have any kind of interest in Anthem at all or, or its future or if you were somebody who played it enjoyed it and wished it would have been more as well uh, the in, the interview is pretty interesting he actually talks about how Anthem's end game doesn't work why he thinks it doesn't work and they're pretty interesting stuff kind of like how the game was Sorry. split between people who wanted the traditional Bioware story heavy which the game still delivered on to an extent and then people who wanted it to be just a content based game at the end where it's like, well, it's not about that as much as it's about gameplay and doing different stuff. And it's like a tale of two games that it was trying to be. And he goes in to mention that. And he goes even further to talk about the fact that like, if the game didn't have a promising core, didn't have a world that people do like when it's working and when they, when it's giving them the content they want, that they probably wouldn't actually dip time into this, but they're viewing this as a seven to 10 year cycle. And that, while it may not have had the start that they wanted or the fans wanted, that they can look back on it hopefully in even another year's time and it'll just be that that's only 10% of the game's life ended up being that way and 90% of it was remembered fondly. And you hope that that ends up being the case. But it is interesting because one thing we know about EA, at least in terms of what their actions have shown us time and again, is that they are not ones to put much faith into something unless they really see it eventually being able to give them a big return like they did with Battlefront 2. Part of the reason they did that with Battlefront 2 is because despite losing about a million sales to what they expected, they still sold 7 million instead of the 8 million they expected, and that's a lot of money in a lot of games, and a lot of people. Anthem is still the same way. Anthem is still like the third best-selling or fourth best-selling game of the year. 
So there's a huge amount of people who bought the game and a huge amount of people who would have interest in seeing it come back around and thrive. So I will hold hope as I always have. Uh, and maybe I don't, I'm curious as to what he means by they've demonstrated that they can. Is this behind closed doors? Is this, you know, what does that mean? But we'll see in the future, hopefully. Uh, next up, after going on sale for $3 during E3 week, NBA 2K19 has apparently added in unskippable advertisements that roll before games. They likely The likely thought is that it's a way for them to make up for the steep discounting to turn the sale into a more profitable situation for the publisher. But to clarify, the ads show up for all players, even those who paid full price for it at launch. So this seems aggressive in a very odd way. And every time... They've done something relatively similar to this earlier in the game's lifespan and got huge flack for it. For so to see them doing it again is in, is insane. Yeah, and this is not EA, and this is you know the thing that is a it, lot of people would say is ooh, it just seems like an EA style thing. It's two K, isn't this it? This is two K. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. That is really crappy. Uh, you know, I think if it was, let's say they put the game on sale for two weeks and said, hey, $3 for the game, but buy it understanding that if you buy this game for $3, you have a special license. And because of the fact that we're selling it for you at such a discounted price, we will roll ads uh, before the game start. And then you go into it buying it saying, I am buying it at this price, knowing that that's the concession I'll make. And while I don't think that that's a great situation, it's a fair situation. And this is not. <laughs> but... um. Next up, though, a new Ape Escape Twitter account was created recently and shared a screenshot of one of the titular apes hiding behind a tree alongside a message that translates to roughly, quote, 20 years since then, I've been running around for a long time, but I wonder if there is anyone out there to chase. End quote. This comes on the heels of the, of the first game's 20th anniversary, so might be hinting at a remake, remaster, a new entry, who knows. Uh, I don't know if y'all recall, but like uh, two, maybe three years ago, maybe not even that long ago, uh, Ape Escape 3 was rated for the PlayStation 4, but it has not come out yet. Um, but if y'all also recall, Borderlands 1 was rated for the PlayStation 4 like a year and a half ago and never came until... Bam, surprise, it did come. <laughs> so, hard to say what's going to happen. Um, it could just be a remake. I don't know. It's a pretty loved series. Um, but at the same time, it, it's interesting. Because, you know, we're getting uh, we're getting medieval. And medieval, I think, is about on the same level as Ape Escape, where it's got a lot of avid fans. But it's not necessarily a series that completely makes sense to try and be a big monetized series. Right. But we're seeing... Crash Bandicoot sell crazy numbers and Spyro sell crazy numbers. So I think nostalgia's in and people are just really banking in on things they once loved. So, and I'm, I'm there. I mean, I bought Crash Team Racing. I loved it. Uh, let's see. We're going to save that as the segue into the final uh, topic. I was looking at that a second ago. Yeah, in the U.S., though, PlayStation Hits lineup is getting a new wave of additions in the way of Friday the 13th, God of War 3 Remastered, Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition, Neo, and Resident Evil 7. So if you don't mind the red cases and have been waiting for any of these games, you can get them at a good price. A lot of these have already been around this price, but now it's kind of just a guarantee that they'll never go above this price, and that's just where they're going to stay. Uh, and that's good. So, God of War 3 Remastered has essentially been $20 anyway. But, you know, now you can get a chance to get it physically. And actually, the biggest upside of that is that they'll do re-releases uh, physically in stores. So, if you're somebody who likes physical but waited this long but still want to buy new instead of used, you have a way to do so. That works out. 
Next up, former Sony CEO Kaz Harai, who not only led PlayStation for some time, but brought the company as a whole back to profitability after a tumultuous few years of losing money, has officially retired as chairman of the company. He will remain a senior advisor, providing counsel as requested by management, which he talked about back in March when he uh, kind of outlined his plans for retirement. But he is officially gone now. So you know what? Got to give it up to Kaz. He is literally probably one of the only reasons that Sony is doing strong as they are right now. And uh, one of the main reasons, thank you, Saul. Uh, one of the main reasons that yeah, I you. think I think PlayStation and Sony as a whole are back to just being the strong household name they once were, uh, despite having to cut off a lot of stuff that the company was once known, uh, you know, famous for. But that's okay. Happens. Uh, next up, Cyberpunk 2077 continues to get more snippets of info, with the developers stating that the game will take place in more than just the setting of Night City with there being an outdoors area called the Badlands that acts as a district of ruins that have been mostly abandoned. Alongside this, we get word that similar to Roach in The Witcher 3, your car will come to you when you call for it, thanks to self-driving future vehicles. I can only imagine like you, I love it. you call it, and then it starts to hover down next to you. That'd be dope. Yeah. I wonder how they're going to do it. Because you know when you have those games that let you call your mounts or stuff like that, and they'll kind of just appear over... I appreciate it in this sense. Assassin's Creed did this with Odyssey. You had a horse. And when you called it, it would try and appear either behind you so that you couldn't see it, but then it kind of run around to you. Or if you were facing a certain way and kind of swinging your camera, it would try and spawn it behind a hill and it'd run up the hill. So it was trying to give you the immersion that it wasn't just coming into the world. You know what I mean? Um, and I appreciate that because it's one of the things I liked about Shadow of the Colossus too, where it's like, Depending on how far away you left aggro, yeah, it was going to take a while. Yeah, <laughs> or he's not going to take a while. Yeah, so it's it's kind of interesting. I like Why that idea. I think his name was Whisper. What's another horse that's named Whisper? Is that anywhere? I don't know. I know Whisper is the main character's name, isn't it? No, Wonder. Wonder. That's right. Yes. Maybe I just got those confused somehow. Maybe. Uh, let's see. Next thing up. Despite its rocky launch and middling reviews, mainly due to bugs, Bend Studios Days Gone has become the eighth best-selling game of the year, beating out other people, surprisingly, like Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, and stuff. Which I say surprisingly, but saw how surprising do you really think that is? Because Sekiro really... is still, even with this level of success, it's still a relatively niche yeah, I'm not really that game. surprised about it. I'm more surprised that there was more people streaming this game than there was Dark Souls 3 at the beginning. What, Sekiro? Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, I mean, I think with every game we see um, we, we see from software really grow oh, yeah. in prominence, and more of the stigma about their games being unnecessarily hard starts to go away, and people really dive into the fun of it being challenging. So uh, we'll see about that. Next thing up, though, speaking of Shadow of the Colossus, Blue Point Games studio co-founder Andy O'Neill has passed away at the age of 47. Andy was heavily involved in the Metroid Prime trilogy, best Metroid game series that there is, uh, before leaving Retro to start Blue, to Blue Point Games, which has become known as a de facto force in remastering games and more recently remaking games with their remake of Shadow of the Colossus for PS4, as we were talking about earlier and just a second ago. Uh, so, you know what? That's a shame. I hate to see people die at that age. Uh, they have not gone into exactly what happened or why he is, uh, you know, why it was that he passed. But either way, it's a sad day. Uh, and it's good that, you know, they are talking about his legacy within the company will never be forgotten. And I think that that's true. You know, it's easy to get jaded and say that they're just saying that because they're a company. But when you're a company as small as Blue Point, um, I actually think that that really gets meant. You know, I mean, they've grown a little bit in recent years to do things like Shadow and their upcoming game they're working on. 
but they're still a relatively small-hearted studio that's been around forever. Yeah. Uh, or I say forever, but, you know, 2005, I think? Yeah. 2006. And, of course, uh, even having a smaller studio, this loss of life is even more, you know. It's probably going to reverberate a little bit more throughout yeah. the studio, you think, you know. Uh, and he was a big, he was a high-up person as the other side, you know. I think that even happens on the, you know, with most recently Guerrilla Games uh, director or whatever it was. Uh, I can't remember if he was the lead designer. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Dying. Um, he, again, he's somebody that had a lot of weight within the studio. So it's kind of like everybody undoubtedly will know him. But when you get certain size studios like Gorilla starting to grow into a 250 plus size studio, uh, it, it's easier to get to where certain people just don't know each other. And that's just going to happen the more people you add in. But you like to hope that these development studios are kind of like close families, considering the games take people away from their real families often to be made. So it's part of why we really appreciate what studios do and uh, sad to see a loss like that happen. Uh, going back to the idea of Microsoft being, or Xbox specifically rather, being a, a platform instead of a console, a rumor spreading from Colin Moriarty uh, recounting of what a source told him claims that Halo the Master Chief Collection was once considered for a PS4 release before the deal ultimately fell through. When asked about it in an interview, Phil Spencer answered with a bit of a non-answer, but did confirm that Xbox's long-term plan is to be a platform and not a console, hence why we are seeing Xbox published games show up on Nintendo Switch, like they did with Cuphead very recently. Uh, and I think that fits into what I think has been obvious, um, given the way that they've talked and a lot of their actions have really shown. Uh, but it is nice to see something we've been saying for years at this point now be more given more and more credence as to why it's, it's essentially true. One point. of my favorite comments about this was on Twitter, and the guy said, I'm a longtime PlayStation fan, and I've been with them for over a decade now, but Phil, if you bring Master Chief Collection to, uh, to PS4, I will suck your Spencer. <laughs> I was just like, Wow. I, I'm not gonna lie though. I would be heavily excited if that game came to console or PS4. Well, it's already coming to PC, and I think that realistically, knowing you, is that not where you just want to play it primarily anyway? I mean, if it comes to PS4, where I can play with Joe, you, and Gavin, that's a good point. Because Gavin doesn't have a gaming PC. That's Joe true. does. Joe you does do. now. Yeah. yeah. So there's still there's three of us, but we need four for Team Slayer. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting because I don't think it's completely. They they talked a little more about it, and he's kind of said that some of the bigger games that are exclusive to the console are going to be slower to go to other consoles for the time being. You don't see them leaving the uh, the the primary Xbox. Uh, platform as it is right now, which is PC and the actual Xbox console. But it is interesting. Like I said, they kind of get this, the, the head of Xbox saying essentially what we've been saying for years now. So, and they've not come out and just straight said it up until recently. Yeah. So, uh, last thing on the list before we go and head into the main topic is despite its absence from Square Enix's E3 conference, Platinum Games has come out to say that the game, uh, oh, of course, my dumb. <laughs> that Babylon's Fall, which was a game they showed last year at E3 2018, is still developing smoothly and that the lack of new information or of a full unveiling is solely down to the publisher's discretion, which to me is interesting. And I almost wonder if they did it on purpose because Platinum's kind of been on an upswell recently and been doing good and their name's kind of back to where everybody really sees them well. And I think there was a lot of trepidation around Final Fantasy VII Remake. I think that Square probably used this as a chance to let Seven be the main focus, show, and I mean that from a lot of things, right? It's optics in some sense. Seven is the primary focus on their Japanese side. 
it's getting the it's pretty much getting the the thing as the only new JRPG that we're talking about. We're going deep dive into it to show you how much we care about it and what we're doing to try and make it as close of an experience to what people want out of it while also still doing something decidedly new and then saying, you know, this is a game we can talk about later. We can fully unveil later. Definitely if it's not coming out until next year anyway. And we don't know that, but they can essentially bring this up at another time. There's other shows, and I think E3 still, even though we've talked about E3's relevance being down, I still think E3 has a lot of relevance. And they realize that letting Final Fantasy VII, a game that was hugely popular in the West, get shown at a very Western-focused event was very smart for them when they could talk about Babylon's Fall at Gamescom or any of the other things. Paris Games Week, if they wanted to do it there, if they wanted to do it at Tokyo Game Show. They have a lot of other avenues to be able to show this. And maybe, even though I was a little disappointed that it wasn't there, maybe it was smart. That's kind of where I land on it. Saw any thoughts yeah, on that? I, no, I actually just fully agree with that. It's kind of hard to make that call nowadays, though, right? Yeah, I mean, because it could have been two ways, in my mind. Either they could have come out and despite their thoughts that what we're doing with seven is reaffirming how to everybody, just how much care we're putting into it. And that it, we are fully confident that people are going to love this. That could be one thing, but the other reality could have also been just as easily that they showed it and nobody was receptive to it. Yeah. And then by not having Babylon's fall as a backup, it actually could have ended up hurting the conference, but thankfully it didn't. So I think that they made the, the the right call. And of course they have people that plan these events to try and figure that out. Um, I think that's the clearest reason as to why we probably didn't see anything on it. But you know what else was odd? Speaking of platinum, we didn't see anything about Bayonet, uh, Bayonetta three, another game that they also say is coming along fine in development. Yeah. But Nintendo chose not to talk about it at all. Yeah. And instead they chose to talk about Astral Chain, which is another game. And I wonder if that's because Astral Chain's right, like literally right around the corner. And yep. Bayonetta is probably holiday this year is what I would guess. If not even later. Babylon's Fall, though, did look so cool for just a CGI trailer. Would you agree with this? One of the things about Nintendo that I found to be odd that we've talked about with PlayStation in the past, right? We talked about PlayStation a lot, that PlayStation has gotten known, and even Microsoft, for showing the same game at a lot of different conferences. We saw it with Microsoft with um, constantly seeing Crackdown 3 right, and never seeing it released. We saw it with Days Gone being shown far too much and far too early and then finally coming out. Um, but... I found it very odd that I, I was almost in agreement of you that it's a very Nintendo thing to go ahead and talk about the game that's about to be out, which in this case is Astral Chain, and then not talk about a game that is potentially further out. Yet, I've also got to kind of put that alongside the fact that Nintendo also showed and teased Breath of the Wild 2, which you know is a game. Well, that's a Zelda title. That's, so they, yeah. they, it's justifiable, I think, because... Well, they did the same thing with Breath of the Wild 1, so much so that the game almost completely ended up skipping Wii U, which is probably for the better. I'm not saying that, but in the sense of... It's, Breath of the it, Wild didn't skip Wii U. I said, I said almost. Oh, okay. It could have very I, easily. I somehow misheard you. I was like, wait yeah, a yeah. second. No, it That's almost, how they emulated on PC. Yeah, they it almost skipped uh, that. But in the in the sense of they showed it at the beginning of the Wii U's life cycle, and then it wasn't even out until the Switch was out. And I feel like we're getting into a very similar situation here where it. I hope it's not that situation of announcing it way too early and then just having years where we don't hear anything about it. And then finally it shows back up. Um, but I, it was just something that tied into the fact that, yeah, I agreed with you about Astral Chain for a second, but we're seeing them tease breath of the wild too, with no I, substance. Well, and you know? I'm sure they're working on the next Mario game. Then they haven't put that out. Cause I think at this point they know Zelda is way far more popular than Mario. 
despite what people say. I think it it, it might not sell as as well, but I Mario think that sells it's, more. Yeah, yeah, but I think that you're right. Zelda's a bit more in the core gamer. Right. It, you know, it's it's Zelda's a little less casual than Mario. I think is the best way to say it. Right. Yeah. And uh, I do think that that's pretty much why they did that, and it makes sense. Like mm-hmm. I, it's the same thing they do in Metroid Prime Four. Yeah. In a way. There was no actual trailer for that. It was just no yeah, trailer. and that keeps getting moved around. And see again. Well, no, it doesn't keep getting moved around. People, well, it people keeps are... not moving around, but it keeps getting like no. I just it restart it, development. It, it once. got rebooted, and yeah. then now you you know you think it's going to be this far. And this is more of a well, looking rebooted at, like what three months ago? I don't know. It's Nintendo. I'm not going to worry about it. I guess uh, that is next true. gen people consoles though. <laughs> this is the uh, this is moving into the main topic. Uh, so with that. And there's a lot of talk around this that I'm actually going to pull. We normally save it for the community's take, but there's one line that is very, very in specific to this that is exactly the way I feel. And luckily, somebody just happened to mirror my sentiment, and I can expound on that more. Uh, but right now, next-gen consoles seem to be already getting mixed reception from developers as Ubisoft claimed the new systems will be a, quote, major leap, end quote, over current-gen consoles and touted the SSD as a revolution for consoles. Contrast this with Platinum game studio head calling it quote more of the same end quote and he even went on to praise older systems for their custom chips and google stadia for its streaming capabilities as something that was disruptive and different and and new uh and the reason i even want to bring this up is that this is crazy because it goes against what many developers have said about playstation 4 when moving into this new gen is that they really liked seeing the consoles move toward a chipset that was more in line with them doing on PC because a it allows it allows the creators to more easily have the game release on all three, both the two major platforms, uh, in this case PlayStation, Xbox, and then also PC, whereas used to, you'd almost have to have the game being constantly ported instead of being a similar code base that's then just further optimized per console more before it was like well we're going to make the game on pc xbox 360 is the closest thing we have to a pc like console so we're going to port it to it first and then we're going to port it to the playstation 3 which is incredibly different and what you saw was a lot of problems that came with that and i find this odd for a lot of reasons because platinum games while they had games that worked relatively well for the PlayStation 3, it's not like they had games that really leveraged that special power. So I do find it odd. On the surface, Saw, I think it's more of one of those things where, uh, on the surface, I see it. It makes sense. The statement almost wasn't shocking at first, right? My first time of hearing it was like, well, I get it. The PlayStation 3, despite being a pain in the butt for people, was unique and interesting. And when you make games your entire life, you want to you get, want a challenge almost. You want to get on hardware that's like, what does this hardware offer that nothing else could offer? Yeah, what is different about this hardware? What, how can I optimize my games better? It's mm-hmm. a new entire sort of uh, chipset in a way. I mean, it, and that's what it was, and it can it challenge people to kind of make these games differently. And I think that I know some developers loved it. I'm sure some hated it. Yeah, because the obvious downside that comes with that would be that instead of being able to do what you're going to do this generation, moving into the next as it maintains its little x86 architecture, uh, is that with the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation, well, really the PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, with each generation, instead of getting to iterate on things that you figured out in, in terms of working with the consoles and the 
chipset and getting comfortable with the way that that chipset works instead of getting to iterate on that with the next console and then have a really good starting point where it's like we already know that this chip behaves well in this sense but it gives us this much more power and overhead to push it this much further it's this much more optimized and we can really work around what we already know so we got a leg up on development instead every generation for the longest time was like you're restarting everything you really knew how to develop. Like, yeah, you know how to code, but you don't quite know how that code's going to react with this chipset. Right. So you have this every generation, you're almost like restarting. And yeah. now you're not going to have that happen. So I find it so odd that for the most part, I've heard nothing but really praise for this generation, even about current going generation. as far. Yeah, the current generation about how Sony even went as far as to do something new with the share button, which completely changed the way consoles work for a number of people, not necessarily you or I, but there's a lot of people that really see the share button. Well, share button's cool for video clips and stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's it's cool cool for for a lot. It's cool for virtual photography. We don't utilize it necessarily. Well, no, it's cool for virtual photography. If you want to take your time to line up your shot and stuff in the lighting and take a picture of it, it's cool for that. I just, I'm not a fan of that over clips or trailers and stuff. I get it. I don't have a problem with screenshots inherently. I have a problem with how they, they are used amongst most people. If that makes sense. Yeah, but... It's not um, a big problem if that's just nitpicky. Yeah, but sticking with that, you know, it's like they did something new with the share button. They took in and went to developers and said, hey, we want to make a controller that it works for more of the games that you want to make. It's comfortable to more of you that we think will be comfortable for more people. They did that and completely redesigned the DualShock for essentially the first time in a major way since their original like, PlayStation. Was it 13 years? I no. Mean, more than that. I, mean, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I keep forgetting. Uh, what, what year did the PS2 come out? The PS2 came mm-hmm. out in 2000. Yeah, and then... Here, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, but the, 94, 94 for the original PlayStation. But what was the year of the, the, uh, the uh, DualShock remake? The DualShock came out was like in 2000... Oh, no, 2000. Sorry, uh, 97, 98. Okay. Yeah. And that was the great one with the sticks. But even then, the DualShock was just really slapping sticks onto the existing PlayStation controller. Well, that's why I said remake. Yeah, yeah because it, it essentially was just a D-pad at that point. Yeah, so but you have that. You know, you have them doing that. Uh, and then you also have people talking about the fact that PlayStation was, again, going and, to people. And Rumble. And up until, well, of course, Rumble. But up until the uh, close to the system coming out, Six or X's. close to before they announced the situation behind it, I'm not even going to go into the real weird stuff, like the touchpad and stuff like that. that oh, I, new, said, I whispered six axes. Yeah, in the yeah. But that is new ideas, but it's new ideas cool that are based done. around weird stuff. So, again, but what it goes to show is that Sony's not just trying to do exactly the same thing. They never have been one to do that. Uh, but even going as far as, like I was talking about with the RAM on the, the console, originally they were not going to have 8 gigs of RAM on the PlayStation 4, uh, and they weren't going to do GDR5. But before they ended up revealing the specs, developers were really pushing on them saying, this is what we needed. And then you actually saw that go in Sony's advantage of they bumped it up to eight, which we saw Xbox do as well. But then we saw PlayStation also, instead of bumping it up to eight, bump it up from GDR three to GDR five. Oh, oh, is it five? Hmm? Okay. I don't know. I thought it was four. No, it's five. Cause it's, it's essentially what most people view as, you know, video RAM. Video, yeah. Um, whereas GDR four or not GDR four. I don't even know that exists, but DDR four RAMs. Yeah. yeah is, is existence. So to get out of all that talk though, what it comes into is that you heard people pretty much. Are we in an echo chamber of hearing certain things? I don't think so. Because if you remember in the PlayStation three days and the Xbox 360 days, Internet wasn't quite like it is now. You no. didn't hear things the way that... Stuff didn't travel around quite as quickly. But 
it was easy to know just from hearing as to why certain games took longer or had issues on certain consoles or whatever was because of how odd the PlayStation 3 was despite being such a special chip. So it's almost like, it sounds like he's rambling on about something that most people are not going to agree with. And going over to that real quick, I'm going to hit that up real quick because I thought it was such a great way of saying it. And I'm going to have to find it. Um, Elch Beeb, but we talked about it a little bit last night. Oh, in Discord? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I guess while you do that, I'll, I'll kind of expound on some of the stuff that, um, that I think that we should be looking at going forward in the future with these consoles. One big proponent of that, and I knew this is, of course, going to get brought up into this main topic, is the fact of the SSD. Um, and what a lot of people need to do with their expectations is temper them because everybody, including Microsoft, is playing a numbers game. They're saying, you know, buzzwords about everything. 8K. I don't know a single store in our area that sells an 8K TV. Best Buy does not have 8K TVs here, do they? Yeah, we actually, they have an 8K now. They Did, just oh, got they it. just got it? Mm -hmm. okay, okay. When they You know how when we went in the other day, all the TVs were moved? Yeah, they got yep. it with that remodel. They have an 8K okay. now. So they've recently gotten 8Ks. I'm sure it's six grand or something, probably ridiculous. Higher than that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, this is not a consumer item for uh, any kind of video resolution right now. Nor can um, the consoles do them natively. It's the same thing they're doing with the, it's checkerboarding and it's gonna do native, upscaling. Real and 4K though, yes. unlike what current consoles do, which is of course checkerboarding in most games. Uh, there is native textures in some, uh, depending on the platform. Well, even native textures is actually, again, so a lot of Xbox One games, X, Xbox One X games, actually do have native textures and native resolution. Then you have games like on the PS4 Pro that have native resolution but not native textures. Right, which then is Then you where... have other games that have sub-native textures and sub-native resolutions but then checkerboard themselves up from there yeah. and do it to pretty a good effect. Xbox is the only one I know that has that many 4K actual textures in it, right? Mm -hmm. is, there a, is there more than two or three games with 4K textures on, on PS4? Oh, uh, I don't know. I think I, I'd have to actually look. I, yeah. don't, I don't think so. I mean, the the One X is a admittedly more powerful console. I mean, yeah, that came and that's, out a year that's later nothing to argue more. about. Yeah, yeah, that's nothing to argue about or anything. That's that is true. But what we're gonna see with this is that, like, what I was getting to with the numbers being thrown around is, I think a lot of the people need to understand that the console itself on launch is going to be worth it for n not everyone because you're not gonna get a massive upgrade for what you currently have as you think you are. Uh, and I say that to people who are average gamers who, who play a couple hours a week or a couple uh, or a little bit more than that a week. This upgrade may not be seen fitting to you uh, from the typical standpoint. But what you are going to see that is going to be better, that will make it worth it, not your 8K, not your 120 frames per second, because what TV in the world can do 120 frames per second? That's common. It's not. Spoiler. Um, it's going to be the SSD. It's going to be the amount of stability you get in your games. It's going to be the amount of AI changes that these consoles can now do. It's going to be Hopefully. the amount of yeah. physics that these consoles can do that's different. It's going to be the amount of on-screen items that you can see. It's going to be a drastic amount of things. While you will, you will say this to yourself, because you can, it's a very clear example you can see on PC right now, is that if you play a game at 
your PS4 and then you play that same game on ultra settings on your PC, you're going to see a drastic difference. What you see on ultra settings on PC is bound to be what, what a good example will be of what PS5 will look like at launch, what Scarlet will look like at launch. There's clear textures, it's better draw distance, anti-aliasing is better, field of view is better, stain rate, uh, uh, frame rate's stable 60. You get these things. And the thing about it is that's not going to appeal to everybody, but when you start to see it, you're going to think to yourself, well, that's not that big of an upgrade, but it's what's inside of those games from a non-aesthetic point. It's what the games will be able to do. And I think that, that that's where this conversation gets really lost is that they keep talking about streaming and stuff like that. And we've said it before, streaming is never going to be the forefront of gaming, at least for the next foreseeable future. It will yeah. be a good side component of gaming. It's what handhelds, I've always seen handhelds are. Handhelds will never be the primary form of gaming for any for, for any majority, right? Like right now you could say that as far as consoles goes, PS4 is the majority. Um, you will never see a handheld uh, or a group of handhelds become the majority. Um, Unless you're going to say, because the Switch is doing well. Do you consider the Switch a handheld or not? Well, but yeah, well people, I mean, a group, and, like, yeah, in I'm terms sure. of, like, a a, a, um, a subdivision of consoles of handhelds yeah. rising up. Yes. You're I'm not going to see that. Uh, it's going to be very rare. And streaming is a subdivision of a console in a way. Like, you have PS Now, you have... Um, Coming up, that project as yeah, cloud. Yeah. Uh, and then you're going to have Google Stadia, which, if they can hit these numbers that are promising, which Google Stadia specifically, I don't trust... It's one of those things that, like I think I said, 35 megabits down, you get 120 frames per second at 4K. I don't trust that. It's the idea of, it's the same adage of if it sounds too good to be true, it likely is. That's way too good to be true for anybody that knows. Well, well, it sounds like it. That that knows games. But until we see it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Yeah, until we see it. It sounds like it because running Destiny on my my laptop browser at 4K, 4K, 120 frames per second is ridiculous to me. And Mm -hmm. I don't, like I said, I won't believe it until I see it. But. I think the conversation gets lost in a way, right? Because they're looking forward as the future, and they're saying that these these consoles are going to be almighty and powerful and stuff, and then that some of them are saying, like, well, they're not really moving the direction they want. They mentioned streaming. Well, I don't think that anybody thinks that that's the main direction to go, right? It's weird for them to have brought that up in that capacity. Right, but this is one person, and I think it's also important to not lose that in this conversation. No, I understand that, that, but it's it's weird. We may have not been presenting it in a way that I think I know that you knew it, but well, I yeah, think it, that it is the, it is we're the presenting guy it in a weird or way. Or the representative from Ubisoft. Well, Ubisoft loved it. it no, was, I'm not saying yeah. they did. I'm just talking about the streaming component that he said. Oh no, this is uh, this is Platinum Games that said that. Oh yeah, I'm getting yes, mixed up. You are. That's what I was making sure. Platinum of. So, Games. Look, one thing I want to go through though, because this is again, it, it's just a great way of just wrapping up kind of my thoughts on it, and then we can. I still want to talk a little bit more about it, but Elzebub says. In direct response to the interview, which goes into talking about all these things, he says, I don't get it, though. He talks about his excitement for streaming, and that's the way of the future. And PS Now has been there for four uh, for years now, specifically five. It launched in 2014. Um, so uh, he also mentions preferring to create games on custom chips that was used on the older consoles, and yet developers across the board have shown appreciation in using chips and systems that are more ubiquitous to work with. It's just conflicting answers from him. Either the translation was bad, which is always always a potential in these situations in the want to get news out so quickly. And like everybody's trying to do and be competitive. Sometimes you get rough translations that don't quite hold the original intent. Um, so that's one thing. 
Uh, but El Tabib says either the translation was bad or he is just rambling along without thinking of what he is saying. PS Now has been since 2014 available, so by his notion, he should think that streaming is nothing new instead of touting it as an exciting future. With his thought process, he should have thought about streaming as boring too since it's been there since 2014. And I do agree with that. I think that some of it kind of sounds like someone who's been in the industry for a long time and... I, I kind of get, like I said, I get the idea of for him, maybe he's trying to say again with a bad translation, maybe he was saying that seeing streaming become more prominent is exciting because there's more avenues to do that through and work through. And that maybe he was specifically talking about some of the extra features that you're going to inevitably be able to tie into with stuff like Stadia, which is different than consoles, right? One of the things they talked about is that in Stadia, games can be 100% couch co-op without having to dip into some of the resources that normally in a game, they have to find a way to make the game run in couch co-op by oh, yeah. actually cutting down some of the stuff when you add a second player in. They can do that in a lot of different ways by cutting the screen in half if you're going to do it well, on one games console. last generation, some of them, if you play it split screen, you notice the game looked noticeably worse. Yes. And, and going toward that, uh, Halo... Five specifically talked about cutting split screen from the from the oh, game yeah. to make yeah. sure that they could maintain sixty frames per second, and that's one of those interesting things in the back end of like the Stadia has actually talked about the way it'll handle that is just t you'll have your own instance and it'll tie it into the other instance without having to do anything, and that that's kind of interesting. That's different. Even if you're all playing on the same TV, it does it all separately so that the game can run at full resolution, and that's. Again, it is something that's new and different that we've not seen PS Now dip into, but streaming in itself is not new. We've seen it going on to a successful rate at somehow some pace since 2014 and only gotten better since then. So it is the thing, right? If, if you're going to say that streaming somehow counts now uh, or he's counting streaming as still being new because it's such a big shakeup to it, well, I think it's not fair to say that consoles have not been shaking up what you do on a console. Um, so, you know... I, I kind of agree with, I think a lot of stuff is going to get lost in the conversation between how next-gen consoles are going to work in comparison to things like streaming that don't quite have the same local hardware backing to it. But I think you've got to also look at what newer consoles are going to be doing from a local hardware standpoint, and that that's rare for a console. If anything... I agree with the notion that the new console generation is going to be evolutionary rather than revolutionary. I do think that to some extent, but I agree with one of the things that the Ubisoft people said that the closest thing you can really give the new consoles to being truly evolutionary or revolutionary is going to be the SSD in a console. Cause yeah, it's not something that's, that's still that's, been that's normal. That's a very comparable moment to Stadia to me is that is something I am very skeptical of. Ex exactly. I ever am... since it's come out on Stadia, we've had our thoughts about it. And ever since they talked about PlayStation five, you've that constantly SSD, had remarks. Dude is that the way that they showed it and they don't ever, they I don't think they've ever done it uh, at least to a capacity such as Killzone two. But that almost like gave me doubt in comparison to what they did with Killzone 2. And for those that don't know, they showed a CGI trailer for Killzone 2. They claimed it was gameplay, and it was Infamous. not. Um, yeah. And it was one of their biggest blunders. I think it was E3 2005, five? Five, six, yeah, uh, something like that. But it was one of their biggest blunders. And I know they're a different company now. Like They have different morals, I'm sure, and the values are better. Uh, but it's the fact that I this tech should, uh, should exist elsewhere by, by now. Be, having a terabyte SSD, those are expensive. And even at manufacturer cost or, or, or 
uh, bulk cost, it's still like they're not as expensive. Like I could see them raising the console maybe fifty, seventy five dollars, something like that. They're not as good as what they're advertising. You can't go buy an SSD like this. This is it, there is no SSD like this, and it's hard to say a hundred percent because you can only guess that part because you don't know what Spider Man runs on an SSD. If you had it on a computer, is it going to run the same? Destiny goes from like three minute loading times to the tower to like less than ten seconds on PC. Uh, less than 20 seconds or 30 seconds, but uh, a little hy hyperbolic there, but um, hyperbolic, but uh, <laughs> did I say it right the first time? It's you, hyperbolic, but it's hyperbole. Yes. Yes. I used to say hyperbole because I don't know why you start saying something wrong when you're young and you always continue, but um, let me continue. I will say that like, that's one thing that I am really skeptical about. If that thing ends up being true and you get a terabyte SSD in this console that literally gets, gets rid of most load times. Well, and a terabyte is kind of small. That's the other thing. Expectations it is, for it hard... is small, but it's expensive for those SSDs. So it's like, are you going to give up the size to make sure that you get the other benefits? Yeah. And but just... I don't think, I, I, look, it's kind of like, do you remember when switching from the PS3 uh, and 360 gen where a 500 gig hard drive was seen as a lot? Uh, and they ever, they, I don't think they ever actually released with a terabyte hard drive at all. Uh, but then we go into the PlayStation 4 and it released with a 500 gig hard drive and then quickly came out with a one terabyte model because people were constantly talking about how it wasn't enough. So, yeah, you're right. They could have it to where they start out of the gate with a one terabyte like they're doing currently right now. Uh, but I think that one of the things I often said about the PlayStation 4 was that that was a console coming in with a focus on not losing them money out of the gate when a, in a time period when people were saying that phone gaming was going to kill console gaming. That's not where we are now. Absolutely And I can not. see... Two different things. We're even further from the financial collapse that happened in 2008. Right. Uh, though we do have new issues that are arising because of the tariffs and how they might affect consoles. Uh, but they're specifically from China. And one of the ways that like Nintendo is going around that is setting up manufacturer outside of China so that they can avoid the tariffs. Uh, but off of that, it's like we're further away from that. And, and this is specifically talking about even in the U.S. at that point. But we're farther away from uh, the 2008 financial collapse. Uh, we're farther away from the thought that cell phone gaming is going to somehow kill consoles. People are not uh, up to date enough on streaming to know exactly how it will affect uh, consoles' ability to perform in the market and how many people want to give up some of the benefits of consoles and local hardware just to go with streaming because it has its own set of benefits. Um, when you're looking at all that, it's like I can understand – why some people are thinking like it's impossible at the same time, it seems very likely that the that we're going to come out of the gate paying higher for a console this time around and that Sony may be a little bit more likely to, A, charge more for the console, like I said, so $500 at launch instead of 400 and then on top of that, incur a small loss, not like they did with the PlayStation 3 where they were losing $200 plus per system sold in hopes to make it back on uh, software. Instead, in this situation, it'll be like, we're going to lose $50 per console sold just so we can stuff in this SSD because it's going to be worth it. And we know that gaming's in a good spot right now, and it's not such a risky investment. Uh, and I think if you tie all that together, like we've talked about, yeah, you're right. Be skeptical of these things. We need to be skeptical of whether Google Stadia is going to work the way they keep showing it as. Or actually what they keep touting it as, but then when they show it, it doesn't show exactly how they were. You know, they're saying it'll run at this uh frame rate and this resolution with no latency and then we clearly see it on stage with some form of latency whatever yeah. it was you know and we've seen latency since we saw some stuff go down there was people talking about playing uh doom on the uh phone streaming thing and that it wasn't as flawless as 
Bethesda were trying to make it sound like, but it was pretty good, all things considered. Very much like we were talking about with PlayStation Now working as well as it did, to where the if you had to pay attention to really notice it, but you could, and maybe you'd notice it in a higher action game. But we were playing Oblivion, right? So, so a good comparison for those that aren't aware is that in terms of SSD pricing, I'm looking it up on Amazon now. The mo- one of the most popular SSDs is the Samsung Evos. Those are, they have the most consistent read-write speeds, or well, not even read-write speeds at this point. It's just transfer speeds. But they, they seem to have the highest speeds. They're the most popular when it goes to in terms of reliability. Those normally for a one terabyte alone is uh, $299 or $199? $199. And it's actually on sale right now on Amazon Prime for $137. And I really might scoop that up because that's a really good deal. So... Um, what I'm curious about is the speeds uh, the transfer speeds for this compared to what they have and what it will be, because honestly, it's not a bad deal, uh, to get one of these, even for your original PS4 pro, because it can actually help you a lot of times. If you move your games to those, yeah. um, you do got to buy an enclosure for it, but you know, it's a, it's a solution. If you play destiny or, you know, but maybe bloodborne back in 2016, technically, right? Cause I don't think it got fixed till the 17. No, it got, I think it got fixed in... It didn't get fixed within a year, I don't think. Because was Bloodborne a 16 title? I thought it was a 15 title. No, I'm saying it didn't get fixed within a year after launch. Bloodborne launched in, in 15. Yeah, but even then... Like, it got it got fixed way later than a year, I think. No, I think it was about a year, but a year is okay. a long time to wait for a fix like that. It is. Uh, yeah. They still never fixed the frame pacing, but you know. Um, but yeah, so I guess we'll end this on what do you guys think in terms of consoles... Are you excited, but are you excited for the right reasons? Are you excited for what you think is the right reasons? Um, and what, what, uh, what are, well, well, let's see. Let that be the community question for next week. What are you most excited about with the news that we have gotten about the PS5? What do you think it will do compared to Scarlet being notably close in terms of specs? And do you plan on buying it day one? I'll let you answer one of those three and get back to us. <laughs> There you go. I, I will retype that up and post it like I always do across Discord, Twitter, Facebook, all those things. But until next week, I think that that does cap this off. Uh, so Saul and I are going to go raid on Destiny after we get some food. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks to our patrons, Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Douglas Blow, Sean Santarude, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Thomas McKinnis, Brandon Edwards, and Sean One Neo. If you would like to support us, go to the link in the description below or patreon.com slash nartech and give us as little as a dollar. Thank you. Thank you.